Good morning. It's such a, an honor and privilege to be here to share the Lord's word with you this morning. And uh, when we spend time in worship, I'm one of those that I just don't want to leave worshiping. I just wanna continue worshiping each, each day. And um, as we start, I wanna start off in prayer. So Father, we come before you today and we thank you that as we spend time in your presence that we are changed. And Lord, I pray that each person who came here today and each person who is watching over whichever platform, that they will not end the service being the same as they arrived. Lord, I pray that it will be you who speaks, that you will anoint my lips, and that your word will fall on fertile soil. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I've entitled this morning's message, Faith in Motion, because faith without action is simply wishful thinking. And we need to understand that while sometimes the action is to wait, to wait upon the Lord, we need to wait with expectation, and we need to wait with the knowledge that there should be action. We have faith in God despite what it looks around, around us. So even in our waiting, there is action. We move not because we're moving, we move because we follow. We're following God. When God moves, we move. So I'm going to be presenting to you three questions today, and they're gonna be the, my three points. And these three questions, the whole purpose of them is so that we evaluate where we are concerning this so that we can continue to move correctly in step with his Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you that you become an active participant in your walk with the Lord and that you don't just simply wish things to be different. So the scripture verse that I want to read to you, uh, I have two scripture verses I'm gonna primarily read from, but the first one is Exodus 33:15, and I'm gonna be reading from the New King James Version, and this is what Moses said when he was having a conversation with God. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Moses was saying, I don't wanna go anywhere where you are not, because we are, you are not, you cannot differentiate me from someone else who does not know you. I want to live my purpose and walk in my purpose in being with you. And he was, he was declaring this to the Lord on behalf of the Israelites that he doesn't want them to go wherever the Lord's presence is, isn't. Because where the Lord's presence is, there is liberty. Where his presence is, that is where we live out our calling and purpose correctly. But the main scripture verse that I want to read to you from today is Romans 8, and it's verses one through to 11. As I read, I may pause in certain sections and, and just explain a few things, but let's start with verse one from Romans 8, and it says this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I'm gonna stop there, and. As we read that portion, we need to understand that there's a choice, a choice between which way we walk. Do we walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit? We need to choose. But when there's no condemnation and we are found in Christ Jesus, we can make that choice to walk in the spirit. And here's why, because in verse two it continues and it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through flesh, guarded by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he, Jesus, condemned sin in the flesh 
that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. When we choose to walk according to the spirit instead of the flesh, what happens is we start to fulfill that which should be happening. We start to live out the life that he has called us to live. We need not try to correct the thing of sin because Jesus has already done that for us. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. We need to understand that when we set our mind on carnality and on things of this world, what happens is we go to that and we live our life that way and we think that way and we actually worship the carnal things of this world. But when we set our mind on the Spirit, what happens is we begin to walk with the Spirit in step with what He is doing. And I want to correct one thing here for anyone who might think otherwise. The Spirit is not a, a force. He is a person. He is part of the triune God. He's part of the Trinity, and as a result of that, when we walk with Him, not it, when we walk with Him, and we walk in the things of the Spirit, we begin to live the life that we are called to live. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So my first point is, who are you looking to? What I take from this particular scripture in Romans 8 verses one to 11 is that we are to have a heightened awareness of the presence of God. And if we do not have this heightened awareness of the presence of God, what we're saying is, is that we've anchored ourselves in things that have caused our senses to be deadened to his spirit. And that is something that happens over time. It's, a, it's the result of a recurring decision that you have chosen to live according to the flesh instead of the spirit. But to have a heightened awareness of the spirit of God means that you have chosen time and time and time again to choose the spirit, to choose Christ, to choose life above the things of this world and carnality. Do not anchor yourselves in the things of this world. It's easy to do that. The reason this, for this is that there's a lot of noise in the world, and we can let the, the noise of the world become louder than the voice of God. We do this because we go where we look. When we look to the world, we go to the world. When we look to Christ, we go to Christ. When we focus on the things of the world, what happens is, and what we're saying inadvertently without realizing, is that Jesus is only there to fix our trouble. He's not actually the Lord of our life. But when we focus on the Holy Spirit, what we're actually saying, and when we live this out, and not just focus in our mind, but as a result of focusing in our mind and actually determining in our hearts that we may know Him progressively each day, that we may become acquainted with His ways every single day, when we start to do that and live that out, what we're saying is, is Lord, I bow before You. And as I do that, I live for You. 
So I want to encourage you, go read through Romans 8. And as you read through Romans 8, you will see that there's a strong focus on living according to the Spirit. This portion that I've shared with you now repeatedly speaks about living according to the Spirit. And I want to focus you on verse one that says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it says something about what it means. It says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's a natural byproduct of being in Christ Jesus. This is that we walk according to the Spirit. So we need to understand that we cannot find any um, formula of Christian living that perhaps when we read this book that it's not a self-help book. It is the living word of God. He has given it to us so that we read it with reverence, learning who he is and learning the way that he has caused, called us to live so that when we live according to him that we live in the way that we should be as children of God. Um, someone after the first service said, maybe I should get a bigger Bible so that people can see it better. Uh, so imagine it's a little bit bigger, but it should be written in the tablet of your heart. It is not through formulaic systems that we live according to, in accordance to the Spirit, but it's from the departure point that Jesus Christ has already completed everything by the finished work of the cross. When I share about the cross, I always say it in this way, the finished work of the cross. Because he died once for all, and as a result of that, we can, we can live from that departure point. That it's already done. That we are his children. That when we bend our knee to him, we live a new life. We are a new creation. And we can reap the fruit of his labor, and our actions are in response to him. We walk in what he has done, but we walk with him in what he's doing. We walk in the fact that it is a finished work of the cross, but we walk today in what he's doing today in and through our very lives. It is not born out of ourselves, but it is in response to who Christ is, and the transformation has already happened at the cross. We just simply need to get with the program. As I, I want to read Ephesians 4, verses 20 to 24 to you, I'm again reading from the New King James Version. It says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And then I wanna focus on this. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which, has created, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The reason we can do this is because there's no longer condemnation found in those who are in Christ Jesus. He has resolved it with the finished work, but we need to choose. We need to choose to put away the old man and to put on the new man because where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we can have confidence in the steps we take because we are following his ways, not ours. We do not walk according to the flesh. So rise up, child of God. We have a choice to make, and we need to make it daily. We need to walk according to the Spirit. In Romans 8, Paul is encouraging us to live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. But what he's also saying, this implies that when we come to Christ, we can all hear his voice, but as a result of the continued choices that we make daily, it implies that we can continue to be led more and more by his spirit. 
As we come to Christ, what happens is we have this awareness, this heightened sense of his spirit. But in that moment, right at the beginning of our walk with Christ, we have these choices to make. Do I renounce the old way of living? Do I put to death the lower nature? Do I put to death carnality in my life? And do I every single day subject myself to his word and follow his spirit? And as a result of that, I become more sensitive to the unction and promptings of his Holy Spirit. I hearken my ears to his voice. The more fully people are led by the Holy Spirit, the more completely we will be obedient to God and conformed to his holy standards. We need a heightened sense of his presence. This heightened sense will cause us with humility and meekness to overcome. Maybe it will cause you to overcome a lifelong sin that you've been dealing with and you just can't seem to get rid of it. Maybe it will cause you to overcome the unforgiveness that has turned to bitterness. And because of this bitterness, you have made increasingly poor choices in your life that have caused you to come to a place of desperation, not knowing why you are in the pit that you're in. But his spirit will cause you to get out of that pit. Maybe it's that sense of control that you have in your life, and the more you clamor for control, the more out of control you seem to be living. The more it seems that you are out of control. You have an almighty father who wants you to walk with him. So many times I see people do what they want and ask God to bless that. But we need to stop, take stock, hear his voice, and follow him. John 5 verse 19 says this, this is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Jesus modeled for us how we should, be, how we should, we should live. What the father does, we do. What he says, we say. I have learned more and more in my life that I need Jesus for all things. That when I follow my own way of thinking, I mess things up. And actually that I'm responsible not for the outcome but for obedience. My responsibility is to be obedient to Christ irrespective of how I feel concerning that situation. Irrespective of what I think concerning that situation. He is responsible for the outcome. I am responsible for obeying. I follow him, not myself. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In 18, it says that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Do you understand that we need to submit ourselves to God and when we submit ourselves to God, he transforms us from glory to glory in the image that he has already prepared for you. It's already there, but we need to step into that. And when we choose to follow him daily, we start to live it out daily. Our life is too short here on earth and our purpose too great to be distracted by temporary things. When our vision changes, so too do our actions. We go where we look. And if our vision is not given to us by God and not given to us by his spirit, what we're doing are things that are temporary and frivolous. When our vision is given to us by God and we follow through with what he's saying to us each day, suddenly our actions have meaning, eternal meaning. The enemy wants to distract you with pain, with turmoil, with offense, with hardship. You see, 
while he keeps you there, you're too busy trying to resolve that issue and not busy enough doing what he has called you to do, and that is to extend his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. It is to be the ambassador of his kingdom here in every interaction that we have, in everything that we do. We are to live a kingdom lifestyle, and for that to, to happen, for that to occur, we need to be subject to the king. Our life is too short and our purpose too great for us to be distracted by temporary things. The enemy doesn't always have to try to destroy us. What he can do is he simply distract us and we can do the rest on our own. Don't be distracted by temporary things. That offense that you're harboring, don't let it destroy you because of the distraction that it provides. That hardship you're currently going through, don't let it distract you from the goodness of God. But instead, pursue him with all that you are, seek his face so that you can experience his goodness. Who are you looking to? My second point is whose voice are you listening to? We need to look to God, but we also have ears. Whose voice are you listening to? John 10 verses four to six read as follows. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And I think so many times we fall into verse six, that we read God's word, but we don't always understand what he's trying to tell us. When I read this scripture verse, I think of Psalm 23. I think of how beautiful it is that he says that he's our shepherd, that he watches over us, that he leads us, that he guides us, that we go to green pastures and beside still waters, that he leads us in his paths of righteousness, that when we go through the valley of shadow and death, that we need not be afraid because he's already prepared a table of victory for us before our enemies. And as I read that, it's this beautiful psalm, but so many of us leave it there as a beautiful psalm. As we read John 10, we like the image that he's our shepherd, and we like the understanding that he hears our voice and that we hear his voice. But so many of us leave it just there as a beautiful scripture. I wanna tell you today that the word of God is transformative. And that as he transforms you daily, you have a choice to make. Do you accept the transformation or do you clamor for the things that you know? Do you clamor for the things of this world? James 1, verse 21 to 22, read as follow. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Have you noticed there that then again there's a choice, there's an action. We need to lay aside filthiness and wickedness. We need to choose to lay it down. Verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We deceive ourselves if we only hear his word and we think that now life is going to be different. He wants us to walk in accordance to his word and with him in what he's telling us to do daily. We are to walk meekly. I want to just share a little bit and explain to you meekness because I believe that in today's modern day, we do not fully understand what it means to be meek. We, we read in the Beatitudes that the meek shall inherit the earth. Now when I read that, I want to know what meek means. I want to be meek. 
and we see it as being timid, being overly gentle, and a pushover. But actually, the correct meaning of that word is something entirely different. Now, for all the Greek brothers and sisters, they're probably going to say that I've not pronounced this word well, and I'm gonna try my best. But the Greek word used there that we have into English translated as meek is praus. And it's very difficult to translate into English because it is a multifaceted word. On the one hand, it speaks about being gentle, but on the other hand, it speaks about might. So actually, an appropriate definition for meekness is to have controlled might. A more specific definition is exercising God's strength under his control. So we are to, with controlled might, take the word of God and apply it to our lives in his strength and under his control. And it requires that we don't just hear his word, but we act on his word. That means two things, that we hear what he says to us and we follow what we read in God's word. So how do we apply that to John 10, as we've read today? It says two things, he speaks and we hear. By implication, that means we should be listening out for his voice. By implication, that means that we should be positioning ourselves so that we can better hear his voice. By implication, that means that when we are hearing and more specifically discerning what his voice is and who is speaking to us, we can more easily discern when it is not him because it says that they will flee from a stranger because they do not know the stranger's voice. We need to understand that when we hear his voice, we need to act on his voice. Whose voice are you listening to? And what are you filling your mind with? Where are you focused? And where have you decided to place yourself? Are you the sheep that the poor shepherd has to constantly leave the 99 for? Are you the one, I don't know if you've seen that, uh, that little video where a person's taking a sheep out of a, a little crevice, he takes the sheep out, the sheep with glee jumps away straight back into the crevice. Are you that sheep? Are you the one that's right by his leg, right by his side, hearing his voice, following him, seeing what he's doing, going where he's going in step with what he's doing? If you are not that one, I encourage you to remove the noise of carnality in your life. But it's, it's only through the removal of all those things that we can be the sheep that walks next to him. Don't just say it, do it. Don't just say, as you determine in your heart today, I'm gonna go home and change these things, and then you go home and it's the same the next day. Do it. Whose voice are you listening to? I want to share a little bit uh, from something by John G. Lake, it's a sermon, and uh, halfway through his sermon, he stops and he speaks to the congregation, but I feel that what he shares here is so vitally important for us in the context of what we're speaking about today. So I'm going to uh, start off by quoting him, but it's quite a long uh, passage, so I'm gonna start quoting, start to paraphrase, and then summarize what he says. But he starts with this, he, he has stopped his sermon, he looks at the congregation, and, it says, and he says to them, there's a wave coming up from this congregation of a kind of stultified unbelief. Do you know why this is? It is from all the years that you have sat under false teachers. They have taught you that to be humble, you have to say you are no good. That to be humble, you have to say that you are not worthy. 
And then he continues to speak at length concerning what it means to be born of God. And he says, for you to tear yourself out of the sonship that you have in your relationship and the righteousness that you have in God and to put yourself over back in the reality of death and to tell God that you are dirty and unclean, that his blood is not good enough for you, that is a monstrous You need to understand that when we have come to Christ, because of the finished work of the cross, when we come to Christ, we are plucked from death and put into life. And we need to live from that perspective of life and not the perspective of death. And it is false humility to try and speak of ourselves that which is not true, that which is not in this word. In his word, it says that we are more than conquerors. In his word, it says that we are in right standing with him when we have come to him. In his word, it says that there's no longer condemnation found in us when we are in Christ Jesus. Our position is this, that God has become our righteousness, that we have become his very sons and daughters. And then he ends off and he starts to speak to them and he says, if any one of you were to take God at his word and tell everyone in the congregation, you would say to another person, watch out, because the enemy will have them in a week. And he says, the problem is, is that your God is one and a half inches high and your devil is one and a half feet high. What you need to do is change God's and change God's quickly. We need to understand that God is almighty. He is sovereign, he is Lord, he is outside of time, he is God creator, he is God healer, he is God provider. He is everything that we cannot be and he is our father. His name, above, his name is above every other name. There's no other name that we can come to, to God the Father than Jesus Christ. And it is through him that we achieve eternal life. Not so that we can get eternal life, but so that we can be in right standing with God and experience his goodness and the plan that he has for you as you live your life daily. He has plans for you greater than you can think. We need to understand that when we listen to God, our lives get changed. Don't just live thinking that if you live a good life, you will come to Christ. Don't just live thinking that if you do good things, that you're okay. We are to live a life that is congruent with what God says, not what we think he says. So I encourage you to read this and read this regularly and read it over and over and over and over again until it is implanted in your heart, just as it says in James, and that you can live it out, that you can put to action what it says in God's word. And with meekness, with his strength under his control, in your life you are to live it out daily in all interactions. We are to listen to his voice and his voice alone. We are to flee from that which is not him. We are to, with meekness, with controlled might, with his strength under his control, live out who we are. And you are a child of God, so start acting like it. So many times we don't act like it. So many times we act like we are looking for breadcrumbs instead of sitting at that table of victory that he has already given us. Live in the freedom, live in the victory, live in surrender to God. Because it is with the same effort that you raise yourself up that you will keep yourself there. God is the person who raises us up. He says that he opposes the proud, but he raises the humble. Don't do his job, because he does his job better than what we can do, our job. So humble yourself and allow him to raise you up. Humble yourself before him and allow him to raise you up. Live out what his word says. 
And then thirdly, whose power are you fighting in? You see, when we read these things and we hear these things, we can sometimes think that we are doing it all in our own strength. And we can be tempted to try harder. But I want to encourage you today, it's not about trying harder, it's about surrendering more. Surrendering daily. About putting to death the lower nature. Paul in Romans 8 was calling us not to be perfect, but to daily put down the lower nature. To daily choose to surrender to Christ. To daily live out what he has called us to do. 1 John 5 verse four says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You see, walking in the spirit is normal and natural for a believer. But what we have done in contemporary culture is that we have created these levels of spirituality. And I'm gonna bring one example for you. We think we have to wait until we're ready to be baptized. If you go read in the word, they came to Christ and they were baptized. It was an immediate thing. We think we need to reach some sort of spiritual level to get there. What Paul is not saying is that there are, that there are levels of spirituality that cause you to be more, uh, more saved than another. When we come to Christ, we come to Christ. And daily we put down carnality and daily we learn to hear his voice more and daily we live and experience more of who his Holy Spirit is. It's our nature in Christ to live a supernatural life. It is not something unattainable. This notion that we have created is wrong. And I want to encourage you today that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is to walk in the spirit. And we don't do it in our strength. We do it daily with the strength that God gives us. In Ephesians two verses eight to 10, it speaks about how we are not saved by our works but by grace through faith. And then it says something so liberating there, and that faith, not of your own. Even the faith that we have is given to us by God. And then he continues to tell us that he has prepared for us good works and that we are his masterpiece, his workmanship. You are his very workmanship and he has created things and prepared things for you to do if you will only walk in them, if you hear his voice. A life of a believer is a life of response to God. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27 say this. I'm just gonna read a portion of each one. In 26 it says, likewise the Spirit also helps in our weakness. In 27 it says, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What is intercession? It is not just to pray for you, but it is to intercede and stand in your shoes as he submits the prayers to the Lord. We can so often get it wrong because we can sometimes pray by, from what we're seeing instead of who we're hearing. We pray from the perspective of what we're lacking instead of what we have. And we, every good and perfect gift comes from God above. And we have all things in Christ Jesus. But so many times we pray from the perspective of lack, instead of the perspective of the spirit that we walk in, and we actually pray from the perspective of carnality. So what he does is he stands in our shoes, and he says, God the Father, don't, don't listen to what that person just prayed, because that's not what they actually need. What they're really needing is this. 
Maybe you're praying for a certain financial breakthrough and you're being so specific in your prayer. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit is saying, God the Father, that's not what this person needs, but instead take them through it. To use an example like David, maybe David needed to not be seen when there was an anointing coming for the next king. Maybe he needed to not be liked. Maybe he needed to be in obscurity. Maybe he needed to go and visit that army to give them supplies and not be wanted there. Maybe he needed to listen to God's voice in that, in that moment and with righteous indignation say, but why are you all afraid of this Goliath that stands before you? And maybe he needed to show the people who thought themselves strong that God uses the very person or the very things that we think he cannot use. And as a result of hearing the Lord's voice and believing what the Lord has said over his life, he stepped out, picked up those five smooth stones and acted as the Lord had called him to. What we need to understand is that nothing can separate us from God's love. The problem isn't that we can be separated. The problem is that we can live more aware of the inferior things. The problem is that we choose to look, not at God, but at the world, and choose to hear, not God's voice, but all the problems that are around us, and we choose to hear the noise of carnality. We choose to hear the noise of the temporary instead of the noise and the voice of the eternal. We lose awareness of God's love, and we lose awareness of his plan. And because of that, we lose track of where we should be going, and we become overwhelmed by the world. Suddenly, grip, the fear grips our hearts, and suddenly we feel like we cannot hear his voice. I encourage you today, remove the noise of carnality. I want to read to you a quote by a gentleman called Brother Lawrence. Um, this gentleman was a simple man with a simple faith, and he was asked to correspond with someone, and he said, I only write you these letters uh, with the express uh, knowledge that you will not publish them. And it's interesting that we find a whole bunch of his letters in a book. Um, obviously, they were too good to pass by. And, uh, but this is, he was a simple man, and he, he spent much of his life working in a kitchen, peeling potatoes as his main job. And this is what he says, I worshiped him, that's God, the oftenest I could, keeping my mind in his holy presence and recalling it as often as I found it wandering. I made this my business, not only at the appointed times of prayer, but all the time, every hour, every minute, even in the height of my work, I drove from my mind everything that interrupted my thoughts of God. John 7, 37 and 38 say this, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, to fight is to fight in the Lord's strength and we do not forcefully overcome, but rather we submit to the Lord his ways. It's to fill yourself with his word and continually seek him with all that you are. It is to be meek. To briefly recap, the first point is who are you looking to? The second point is whose voice are you listening to? And I've been sharing now the third point, whose power are you fighting in? Our responsibility is to continually draw near to him.
We need to understand that in and of ourselves, we are not enough. And we will never be enough and we shouldn't try to be enough. But it is only when we come into the right standing with Christ, with Jesus, with his Holy Spirit, that we can live the life that he has called us to live. And our responsibility is obedience. His responsibility is outcome. Our responsibility is to continually draw near to him. He nourishes us. John 4.34 says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Is your strength based on you or on he who saved you? Is it based on what you can do or on what, gets, uh, what God is calling you to do? Are you living a life that you're limiting God in your own life? Or are you saying, Lord, do with me as you please? Are you opening up the limitations in your own life because you understand that we serve an infinite God? Or are you trying to bring him into your finite mind? Are you doing things in your strength? Or are you asking God to strengthen you? So I would like to end off in prayer. And can we please stand as I end off in prayer? And as I pray, I'm gonna pray certain, these, these kind of things over you, that you do not leave here the same as you entered. And I intentionally pray that because I pray that the Lord's word will continue to work in your heart long after you leave this venue and long after you turn off the stream. So Father, we come before you and we thank you that it is the finished work of the cross that has done it all. It is you, Jesus Christ, your blood has covered us and it's because of your blood that we can be in right standing with you in no condemnation and because of that, that we can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And I pray for each person here and each person under the sound of my voice over the different platforms that each and every one of us will lay aside the lower nature and we will choose to daily put on the new creation that you have made us to be and that daily we will live out what this word says, not because it is something that we need to do out of our own strength, but because we love you. And it is born out of, your, out of you in us that we can step out. And I pray that there will be chains that are broken in our lives, Lord, where things that have been holding us back as a result of incorrect perceptions, as a result, as a result of false humility, as a result of us plucking ourselves from life back into death, Lord, we repent of that in Jesus' name. And instead, Father, we choose to live in the life that you have given us. And we choose to live in you and we choose to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and seek your face. And as we seek your face, Father, may we experience your goodness. May we live a life of faith in motion. May we not be subject to the law of the flesh, but may we be subject to the law of the Spirit. And may we daily walk according to the Spirit. May our life be found in you. May our being be found in you. Transform us, Lord. Strengthen us. And may we hear your voice, not just daily, but all the time. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.